There's no doubt that strength and explosiveness is important for Hyrox. This is especially true if you want to be competitive. The sleds may be where this is most apparent, but they aren't the only station where being strong gives you an advantage. In the third episode of the Hybrid Experiment, we speak with world-class strength and conditioning coach Ryan Gibney. In addition to working with some of the strongest and most explosive athletes in the world, such as professional rugby players and UFC fighters, Ryan has helped elite Hyrox athlete Michael Sandback become one of the world's most dominant athletes on both the sled pushes and the sled pulls. At the same time, Michael has taken first place in championship races on movements such as the burpee broad jumps through development of speed and explosiveness, also using methods from the system of training Ryan uses. As you will hear, Ryan utilises not only barbells to build Michael's athleticism, but bands, chains, jumps and other dynamic movements that aren't common in training for our sport. With Ryan and Michael having such success, Ryan being such a knowledgeable and respected coach in multiple sports and an impressively strong guy himself, we were keen to speak with him about how Hyrox athletes can improve their strength and explosiveness. Okay, so I'm here today with Ryan Gibney. He is a strength and conditioning coach and coach actually to a very, very popular um, High Rocks athlete, Michael Sandback, who many of our listeners will know as one of the elite athletes. And we got you here today to interrogate you a little bit about how we can all get stronger and fitter. So um, <laughs> we'll dive straight in because your your gym's actually called um, named after the Conjugate Method. So if you could tell us a bit about and what the conjugate method is, yeah. that would be great. Well, our gym's actually called the Athlete Factory. <laughs> so it, it, ah, okay. It, it's my it's your Instagram. It's my brand, <laughs> as you were, my brand within the brand that is Conjugate Sports. Yep, yep. Because uh, that's where my kind of background and biases lie, yep. is in the Conjugate style of training, which for those who mm-hmm. don't know, Conjugate is basically, it just means to join together. That's the simplest term. So what that means in kind of reality is instead of training one strength quality at one time, we're training multiple strength qualities all at the same time. So if you don't kind of grasp what I mean, in traditional periodization, you might do a strength phase followed by a power phase. You may do kind of a hypertrophy muscle building phase. Conjugate takes all these qualities and blends them all together, as it were, but not just randomly. (laughs) It is blended together to base around your weak links and that's basically the yep. easiest way i can describe it really awesome so so yeah so i guess um if someone was to say to you okay why what's the difference between the conjugate method and a five by five system or a hypertrophy system what would you say is is the difference there like why would you choose conjugate over those uh two systems the the, the main difference really is that the five by five and your, your normal linear block periodization focuses on one particular strength quality at one particular time, which is great if you've only got one event throughout the year. But most sports, most athletes have got multiple events. They need multiple different strength qualities working at once. So the main difference being is that we're training all strength qualities and we're training them in a concurrent manner. What I mean by that is we're training them along with things like endurance and aerobic fitness. We're also training strength, Mm -hmm. training power, training muscular endurance all at the same time, all at varying levels. And what we do, we're not just focusing on the maximal strength side of things. This is where conjugate's been really misunderstood. Conjugate is being made popular by Westside Barbell, which is the strongest gym in the world, if people don't know. It's a powerlifting gym. So people think conjugate is purely just for powerlifting and strength sports. 
conjugate's origins have come from track and field from the Soviet Union. It's just that it's a self-regulating system. What I mean by that is it's kind of got built-in recovery because we work in waves. We rotate exercises very frequently, so maximal lifts. So we're always training the same movement pattern per se. So say it's a squat pattern, but we may rotate the type of squat week by week if you're really advanced, every three weeks if you're not so advanced. But then on the kind of speed days, as it were, so the kind of power portion of, of the week of the lifts, we work in a three-week wave where we wave the percentages up. So on that fourth week, you start on a low percentage again. So automatically, we're building in a nice deload week into week. Mm-hmm. Because of the rotation exercises, you don't get bored. So for a lot of type A personalities, a lot of athletes are, get bored very quick. And like a lot of variety, it's... it's yeah, yeah, it's true. It's, I don't like to speak about loot, but for people who like a lot of variety and a lot of change and like to hop programs, you don't need to hop programs in conjugate because it's got a lot of built-in variety. Sorry, I, I know that, um, for example, uh, Michael and Megan Jacoby both follow conjugate method. Yeah. So one of the things that people will see a lot of is like resistance bands attached to, to barbells and they'll see chains, especially with Michael. So, so yeah, so you've, could you tell us a bit about why those, so you won't just see someone doing necessarily a back squat, what you, or you will at some times, but other times you'll see people attaching bands and chains and things to them. So, so the bands and chains are of what's called accommodating resistance. So what accommodating resistance is, basically, it's just an extra external load, which has a mm-hmm. deload effect at the bottom, and it gets heavier as you come to the top. So concentrically, so at the top of your movement where you're stronger and your joints are less vulnerable, you're locking out a lot more load. And at the bottom where your joints are more vulnerable, it's a lighter load. That's the example with the chain, with the band. The band actually gives you something called an overspeed eccentric. So without getting all too textbook, it speeds up how fast you're getting pulled down. So when your muscles are getting contracted at that super fast rate, they've got to react and come back out the hole quicker. So it's teaching your body how to accelerate with a load on your back. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. So yeah, that's that's really interesting. So one of the things that that people really worry about with strength training, because obviously high rocks is such a running dominated sport. Yeah. They, they worry that by doing too much strength training, they're going to get too bulky. They're going to get like the, they'll be like diminishing returns from strength yeah. training. So could you tell us a little bit about what, what your thoughts are around that, whether you think strength training can hinder a running and kind of high rocks performance at all? Yeah, it's one of these kind of loaded questions where the answer isn't what everyone wants to hear. It it depends. It really does depend. Uh, Strength is really relative, but strength also underpins everything. So to make this Mm -hmm. in the simplest term, if you increase your horsepower, which strength is, not size, don't get the two mixed up. The size game is more about nutrition. So if you want to put a lot of size on by lifting weight, you've got to feed that. And as an endurance athlete or a high rocks athlete or any kind of OCR athlete, you're burning far too much energy to gain muscle mass. <laughs> that, that food and fuel is getting used for other things more important. Your body doesn't care if you want sexy biceps. It wants to recover. So unfortunately, if you want to get put a lot of lean tissue on, you have to feed it. So, But back to the original question, building strength, getting yourself stronger, basically increases your horsepower. Yeah. So then to do the same task, now is no longer 80% of your maximum. It's now 50-60%. So that then makes that movement a lot more efficient, which then takes a lot less energy, which then your time should increase, and so on and so forth. Plus the added strength benefits around your soft tissue, 
not just muscle, tendons and ligaments by getting them loaded, as well as your bones, especially important for female athletes, getting strong density around the bones of a skeleton structure. It can only improve your sport. Where people get bogged down is they think strength training is kind of bodybuilding and they're going to put on tons of muscle mass and they're going to be stiff, they're going to be full of doms, they're going to be sore. It's simply not the case. Like in our gym here, we train with a lot of top UFC fighters as well as other MMA fighters. We can't put a pound on them guys because they've got to lose it all to make weight. But we need to get them frequently strong and explosive. And we use a similar approach with Michael because Sandy can allow to put a bit of weight on, but not that much because he's going to run it all back off himself. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) Yeah. Tough enough job as it is to speed them as it is. So, you know, it's, it's a kind of double-edged sword that one if you're a lower level athlete getting into high rocks stick to the lower rep range get really strong if you're a higher level athlete you probably already know that the strength training works you don't really need to worry about it you just need to stay away from the mid-range high reps the bodybuilding zone so so one of the things that you do with country method is you place a lot of emphasis on speed and actually i've seen you doing some like really impressive movements um (laughs) Uh, so like really like just explosive movements, like okay. push it, pushing Smith machines across and things like that. And yeah, so I was going to ask you a bit about whether this is something that you think a lot of high rocks competitors could and, and should be using. Cause I, I do think that the speed aspect of like moving barbells and bands and things fast is something that gets left out of a lot of strength training. Yeah, massively. People think plyometrics are the only answer. Ply- plyometrics mm-hmm. are very important and are part of the puzzle. That's what in the conjugate system is known as dynamic effort. So for every maximal effort, so really heavy stuff we do, there's also an opposite 72 hours later for recovery of what's called dynamic effort. So what dynamic effort is, it's an explosive version. So it's what's called speed strength. So it's about 60 to 80% of your maximal 1RM per se. And it's moved really explosively. We actually measured it here, but you don't need to be that specific. We use an accelerometer. So... All, all strength has a speed. Speed our Strength is actually measured in speed, in velocity, not weight. So we let the speed dictate the load, not the other way around. I hope you can still follow. <laughs> so yep, yep, I got we're, it. we're looking for it to move roughly 0.8 meters per second. We've got a little toy mm-hmm. that measures this, but you don't need that. You can tell it if it's fast, it's fast. If it's slow, it's too heavy, basically. Yep. And this is where we really use the bands and stuff to really accentuate that overspeed so you can really forcefully throw it back. What this does, it teaches you how to increase your rate of force development. So what that basically means is it's teaching you how to use the strength you've got and display it with speed. And I think this is really important for all athletes because if you're working hard to make yourself strong, what's the use if you can't display it? It's like doing a ton of endurance running, but you can't finish because you just can't get that bit of pace out of you because you're stuck at a certain pace. It's exactly the same. Super important for your sleds. Super important for things like your war balls, your lunges, your baby broad jumps. But also really important just for that initial leg drive and learning how to control your body in space. For even for your runs, your eggs. It really is a kind of missing piece of the puzzle. Yes, we do yep. go more on the explosive side with jumps and throws. But again, they all they're all just pieces of the puzzle that fit in together. I completely lost everyone (laughs) no no totally i i really appreciate that that's um so yeah there's one thing i've always found really interesting with uh west side barbell style stuff um i actually got introduced to it through um 
Joe DeFranco's um, yeah. work. And so when I was just leaving college, I was um, looking to be strong, but also athletic. Yeah. Um, like I, I was doing MMA and I came across, um, it was called Westside for Skinny Bastards. Yeah, I know. Right? <laughs> so, because... <laughs> Yeah, yeah, because I was really skinny, so and I thought, oh, that'd be really good for me. So I've I've had some um, experience mixing the the strength and the speed stuff, and actually, um, so I did that for a while, and it was it was really useful. But I came back to it because you were talking about MMA fighters, but mm-hmm. there was an MMA fighter called Matt Brown who was doing yeah. loads of sled work and like weighted carries and things like that. So, um, so yeah, I and I've I've looked at all this stuff, so I find it interesting talking to a coach who who knows about it yeah. <laughs> rather than my guesswork. So that's and good. What, what was your um, experiences? Did you find? So we still do quite. I still do quite a lot of banded work if I can, like especially with stuff like strict press. Yeah. Um, so I still try and move with speed, and I've always kept the mindset. So I've I've always kept the try and move as fast as possible when I'm doing stuff like squats. So even if even if I'm not moving fast, like that's one thing that I definitely learned from the West Side stuff is you should even if you're doing like um something that's not maximal effort you're always trying to move with that maximal effort you know it's all about intention it doesn't matter yeah. so you've got to put that intention into it and i think the perfect example exactly. of that is is your sled pushing high rocks if you hit that slow mm-hmm. keep going slow and it's going to be like getting pushing a car uphill you hit that with intention you'll mm-hmm. get it moving you'll just keep it moving you'll flow yeah yeah so so one so we actually had a question come in from instagram i think it'd be a good time to um ask you it now so so when it comes to something like the wall balls, yeah. um, should people be thinking about, okay, if I want to get better at wall balls, should I be doing a strict press or should I be doing more like a dynamic press, like a push jerk or um, a push press or something with bands? Like which one of those um, would benefit you most for something like a wall ball? I think it, it it's going to sound terrible again. It really does depend. <laughs> so mm-hmm. you, you need to know what your individual weakness is on, on, on that wall ball. What part of your wall ball breaks down? Is it upper body? Is it lower body? Is it just general fatigue? Is it technique? And reverse engineer it from there. Because every example you give is a great example. You know, you, you could do push press. You could do like a thruster. So you don't have to really release the ball. You could do that banded. You could band you. Never mind band the bar. You could actually add resistance to, to your body. So that won't break your movement pattern within the rack. Yeah, you can go high reps. You can go for time. Personally, I would mix up a few modalities. I would get stronger in the movement if it's a general fatigue thing, so then that ball feels lighter. And then I'd also do it dynamically so it becomes quicker. And then I would also do time sets, not all at once, (laughs) obviously, but periodize in so you're actually going through the full spectrum of things. The the, the key to most things in strength training is just leave nothing unturned. You know, leave no stone unturned. And that's why I love contract method because it leaves no stone unturned. It doesn't allow for blank spots because it it molds around strengthening your weaknesses, not a weakness in black and white. Your own individual weaknesses that makes up eighty percent of the workout. Only twenty percent is the lift. Eighty percent is what's called known as special exercises. So to answer the question, that would be a special exercise. If that was the focus, then that would be the focus on the day. Would be to improve the ball. It might be something as simple as doing time squats. It might be something simple as doing, you know, kettlebell marches on the spot, holding kettlebells in a high rack or, or a med ball on a high rack and just marching on the spot to get that general fatigue in your legs, then banging out some wobbles. Hope that helps. <laughs> that really helps. It's crazy. It's just like how much stuff 
you could do to improve a wall ball you know such a simple yeah. movement but then as you've just said there's so many different things that people can be thinking about to improve yeah because sometimes i think hitting the same movement pattern over and over again will actually turn your decent wall ball into a shitty wall ball very fast <laughs> yeah. yeah yeah i can <laughs> i can see that for sure and so it's it's true as well because you everybody knows what you feel like after like 30 to 40 to 50 wobbles <laughs> they're not they don't look like the first or second one um <laughs> so in terms of in terms of the splits that you run um i know that the popular split is a bit like you said so you do a heavy upper then a dynamic upper and a um, heavy lower dynamic lower is that the kind of split you'd have a high rocks athlete on or is that too much volume for, it's a bit too much volume for a high rocks athlete, athlete. Uh, so it, yeah. again, it really varies on the individual where you are so what your training age mm-hmm. is what your experience of strength training is because i appreciate a lot of high rocks athletes who come from different backgrounds there's people mm-hmm. from pure endurance sports there's people from crossfit there's people who are just setting fresh into high rocks there's people coming from bodybuilding so yeah people have got zero training age with load they would be best suited along with the endurance kind of crew with two a week how i do that i call it a condensed conjugate model we use this a lot with the fighters so you would do a max effort upper and sorry a max effort lower and a dynamic upper on the same day followed by a max effort upper and a dynamic lower on the same day 72 hours apart so like a tuesday thursday and within the gaps is where you do kind of your high rock specific stuff and your endurance stuff. So you'd get mm-hmm. kind of your egg work done in the week. You'd get your runs done in the week just to make it fit around your life. When you're going towards kind of your Sandys who, who've, who are more elite, who've got more of a training age, you know, we, we vary between times a year between three and four sessions a week. So when he first came and strength was a goal, hit was a four split. It was a lower max effort, an upper max effort, and then we'd go with a same lower upper dynamic split towards the end of the week. Mm-hmm. With he'd obviously do multiple sessions in a day, so we'd do his runs and his egg work on top of those days, and we'd build all this in what's called a high low model. So we'd have high days and low days. So high demand on your nervous system days, low, and recovery days built in in between. So he always recovers. Strength's not really an issue so much anymore. You know, yep. he's, he's yep. got the strength of 10 men. So yeah, yeah, he's definitely one of the strongest athletes we have, for sure. We can yeah. allow a bit more recovery in the system now. Let's go to a three-week a three week day, which, again, for somebody like yourself, would probably be well suited to a three. So you go max effort low, max effort up, a full-body dynamic. And they yep. can be any yep. days as you want, as long as the max effort and the dynamic effort are 72, days, 72 hours apart. So then we just have to plan around where we fit in our CV endurance work and we do our egg work. Some people like Sims, other people like, you know, some kind of Metcon day, whatever suits your program and goes with your, you know, your style. There's plenty of flexibility in the week for that then. So mm-hmm. in short, range from two, three to four. And do you, t- do you take much, uh, interest is probably the word, the wrong word, but do you, ask sandy like what what else are you doing um and to make sure that your stuff doesn't mess his um like ergs and running up or his ergs and things don't mess your stuff yeah 100 percent. so from from the day i met sandy when we first met he he always had a running coach so i built my program around his running coaches program 
So, okay, cool. So basically, the two kind of styles don't crash clash them. So mm-hmm. this is what's called a concurrent model. And I'm sorry to go all down this rabbit hole again. But nah, that's cool. styles of training don't particularly get on. So mm-hmm. you've got to separate them in the day. You're not going to put your max effort, strength, high neural work with a load of endurance work after it because the two are sending two complete mixed messages to your body. So you can do them on the same day. You've just got to separate them. So it was finding where there's higher days were, there's lower days, what his preferred schedule was because obviously he's got a family and a, and a job where we could fit the work in and then making it fit the program. And then it's just a case of feedback. Mm-hmm. It's constant feedback, yeah. seeing how you recover, see where it fits, and then we just move things about to, to suit. And that's exactly even with your lower level athletes. It, it doesn't matter whether you're an elite or, or it's your first ever fun run. It, it's got to suit your lifestyle or your crashing burn. Yeah, yeah. This is, that was interesting that what you said there that so if somebody was because obviously your body adapts to the stimulus that you apply to it right is which is what you're saying so if if somebody was to go and do a max effort lift yeah. and then you know within like an hour or so they were off doing like a long run yeah. your body would you're saying your body would just be like what do you want me to do do you yeah. want me to get stronger or do you want me yeah. to to get um more endurance like there's yeah. two short gaps so what kind of gaps do you, would you recommend people leave between those type exercises? It's called the interference effect. It's it's, it's well researched. So basically, you're talking minimum, you know, three to six hour gap. So in okay. a perfect world, you get up in the morning, you go for your run, you lift in the afternoon, or you lift mm-hmm. in the evening. That's cool. Or vice versa. Yeah. I prefer it in the morning run because the the strength weight is going to take more out of your nervous system and need more recovery. Whereas mm-hmm. the kind of long steady run will aid your recovery. In the correct heart zone so we'd rather get yeah. that nice and done and then get the maximum bang for buck out of that strength session then you've got the rest of the day to recover rather than put yourself into more of a recovery debt and stealing from your from your body that way all the hormone signals and everything else you've sent for your body your body can actually register and deal with that's awesome so that's a good rule for people to take away definitely one i'll take away three to six hours so that's great what another question that we had come in that I think fits in quite well here is whether there's a difference between how you train male and female athletes at all. It's the hormonal thing, really. It's you know with female athletes, you, you you've got to be considerate of menstrual cycles. You've got to, you can't you know just redline them because you wrote it a max effort day if they're during their menstrual cycle because they're just body's just not prepared to recover. So again, there's not much difference in the actual content per se or the loading. Mm-hmm. It's just having our clients and coach feedback with each other and really being on top of their recovery and, and seeing where they're at. You know, like mm-hmm. I say, if, it, if it's a menstrual cycle thing or they've got young children and young families and they're extra tired, you, you, you can't redline them. You've just got to back off. You've, you know, you've got to push when you can push and, you know, be smart when you can be smart. And, and that's the yep. only real main difference, really. Things like cue angles on hips is just exercise selection. So certain exercise selections may be more suited to a female than a male. Lifting bit, you know, getting strong, lifting big weights is not gonna, you know, turn them into a man, like you said, the likes of Meg and people like that. You know, yeah. they've got great physiques, you know, they're not big and bulky, they're getting some impressive times. So it's yeah. And, and that's the only real difference, really. So yeah, that's really good to hear. And also wanted to ask you, um, just before we move on to how to apply this stuff, yeah. I just wanted to ask you, can you be too strong or can you be too fast for a sport like Hyrox? Like, is there 
a balance you need to do where it starts taking away from one or the other? Or is it just, you know, get as strong as you like, get as fast as you like? No, I think there is a balance. I think like anything that, that there is a balance because, you know, with higher strength levels comes higher risk. With higher speed levels comes higher risk. Strength relative, you know, the beauty of high rocks other, to other sports is, you know, those loads are fixed. Yeah. So your sled is always going to be what the sled is, obviously, unless they change the rules. The wall, the wall balls are going to be what yeah. the wall balls are, you know. So for me, it, it's getting about getting super strong where you are, within the integrity of your own body. Get as strong as you can recover from. If you start feeling like yeah. you're going backwards and you're not recovering, then you need to start focusing on recovery, not strength. As long as you can move that sled, as long as you can start moving it more efficiently. As long as you can pull that sled, you know, as long as you're getting your all your work done you need to do and you're strong enough. You know, you don't you're not a power lifter, you're not a bodybuilder, you don't have to break big records. You know, you just find ways of making that weight harder. Like you've seen on some of the videos of Sandy where we use a lot of chains and stuff. We're just making that weight harder. We could easily just use straight weight, which is just gonna be more taxing on his body. The reason we use a lot of chains is because it's easier on his joints. I'm very mindful that he's doing a lot of volume on the, on his feet. So the last thing I want to do when he's up way above two body weights, bar weight alone, is add more weight when I can add additional accommodate resistance, which is softer on his joints, which again is going to give him more longevity. Just just little things yeah. like that. That that's when you start really implementing things like extra load with chains and things. Yeah. So so that's again really interesting. One thing I was going to ask you, and you might say. Again, this might be one of those depends questions, but what um, if someone comes to you and they say, what level of strength do you think I should be at? And they actually like ask for benchmarks, like what should my deadlift be? What should my clean be? Um, like squats, vertical jump. Like, do you have anything where you go, okay, like this person is actually an athlete or no, this person just isn't strong enough to be doing yes. a sport? <laughs> I do, and they're quite harsh to be fair. <laughs> but again, yeah, yeah. that's it, awesome. It depends on what level you're at. You know, if, if you're new to the gym, then their goals, they're not, you know, I'm not going to weigh it over your neck, you know, but really mm -hmm. uh, the likes of a box squat, you want to be hitting two body weights for three. Mm -hmm. If you're new to the gym, just get yourself to your body weight for five is a good starting place. Yep. But ideally, we want to be two body weights. Same with a deadlift, especially if it's a hex bar. A straight conventional one, we want to be body weight and a half. Hex bar, I want to be at least two to two and a half, depending again what level you're at. Things like push chin-ups, I think everyone who's considering really competing in the, in the likes of a sport like Harrow should be able to do at least 10 bodyweight pull-ups, strict ones. They're not kipping ones. Not They just defend the life out of me, them things. I don't know what they are. Bench <laughs> <laughs> presses and floor presses, you should be hitting your own bodyweight for at least three. Again, upper body pushing, not really that important in any sport. Once you get beyond body weight and body weight and a half, you're just risking blowing your shoulders off just to say you've got a big bench. Uh, you know, this bench pressing your sport, yeah. you know, but it is good to have strong triceps, strong shoulders, strong upper back because it will help you push and pull and keep balance. What we do do here quite a bit is we do a force velocity test. Sounds really fancy. Basically what it is, it's a counter movement jump. We use a jump mat. You can just do it on the floor with some chalk on your fingers and slap the wall, see how high you get. And then you pause and do a standing jump. So you put your hands on your hips. You go into a quarter squat. You wait three, five seconds. You jump. And we measure that one. And then we compare the two. So if your static jump 
So the hands on hip one is 80 to 85% of your counter movement jumps. So the one where you're loading go, you get a balanced athlete. If you start nice. going the other way, so your kind of counter movement jumps through the roof, but your static jumps a bit crap, we know you're more velocity dominant. So we know you're more powerful than strong and then vice versa. And then that is kind of which biases how we train your strength program. If you need more speed and explosiveness, it will bias that. If you're on a slower side, we'll go that way. If you're super fast and explosive, but really weak, then we'll get you stronger because we want to bring all both qualities all over. So we don't want to just make one better than the other. Again, this is why conjugate is my preferred system for this because it trains them all at the both times. So we're simultaneously pushing all qualities up. And basically that, if we haven't got any of them things, we just do a standard counter movement jump where we're looking at 50 to 60 centimeters for males being good. And it's a five centimeter below for females. So we're talking again, 45 to 50, 55 as being awesome. good. The next 10 centimeter up bracket is going into elite. You're talking, you know, your basketball, your NFL guys, it's 70 centimeter jump plus. They're just like, they train. That's basically an event. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's really trying to test. So we're trying to train something for, basically, we, we're trying to train and test for something in every of the movement patterns. And we're looking for a squat, a hinge, a push, a pull, and a jump. So that way we know if you're a balanced athlete or a sudden alarmingly jumps out, then that's what we'll address first, rather than basically getting strength built on top of a dysfunction and then down the line you've fallen apart because we neglected something. That's really interesting. Loads of stuff for people to test or at least reflect on there. So in terms of um, sleds, so let, we'll just use sleds as an example. What would be... Um, actually saying that I say we just use it as an example, but Sandy's known as being like the best guy on the sled. So you're probably the right person to ask <laughs> if, if someone, if somebody really wants to get good at sleds, uh, what would be your recommendation for exercises they should use? Well, funny enough, that is the whole reason Sandy came to me in the first place was to get better <laughs> at sleds. <laughs> it's <where> it worked. <laughs> it, it worked. And then we went down a rabbit hole with everything else, but, uh, yeah. Basically, to get good at sleds, you need to get strong. I didn't let him anywhere near the sled until we were right back to a reasonable, what I found as an acceptable point of strength. And that's not just in lower body. That was his whole body, his core strength, his control. And then we worked on technique of the sled. Then we worked on overloading the sled. And basically, that's the only way to do it. You can't just do the same movement and expect to get better at it. You've got to look at the mechanisms of how that sled moves. Why Why are you weak at the sled? Why or why are you not as good as you should be? Is it your hand position? Is it your foot position? Is it the angle of your spine? You've got to look where that force is going. And I've seen it a, a lot, not just in high rocks, in like rugby where my background is. A lot of people hit the sled too high. So all that force is going up. You want the force to go horizontally. A lot of their energy and effort is going through the sled and up. So they're really making the job a lot harder than it needs to be. So the key is to get strong enough. So train above whatever on that sled, on a bar on your back, or pull it from the floor, or get used to leg drive. Yep. Then get technically good on the sled, and then start loading the sled back up to where it needs to be. And then start adding the endurance, so the volume on top of that. That is basically the recipe to getting good on slats. 
yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's really good and do you do you subscribe do you get people to do things so you said you got sandy strong first so were you getting getting him to do things like squats like squat variations um front squats back squats like zerk squats that kind of thing so you, and those all build those up first and then as you say like overload the sleds and things like that yeah exactly that yeah. so mm-hmm. you've got to have the initial basically the initial base strength in your legs and in your trunk to be able to maintain that amount of load for that amount of time so if you want to get really sport specific look how long a push takes then look how long a set of squats take so you want to be under that mm-hmm. same amount of stress for that same amount of time but with your legs moving albeit a, a sled is unilateral so one leg at a time and a squat is by so two feet at a time doesn't really matter you're going to lift more weight on two feet the sled's nice and stable there's no load for your spine directly so you've just got to get that base strength up that's really interesting as i say i i love all this stuff so it's, <laughs> it's great for me it's great for me just getting to ask somebody questions go on forever so <laughs> okay yeah it's cool so um so yeah drawing on drawing on your experience um training athletes do you have any advice to high rocks competitors on something that they they could start adding into their training right away that make a difference. Like is, is there just something that you're like, you know, you guys just aren't doing this or um, you, you could be doing it and getting, getting easy results. Yeah. I, I, I know we've said it a few times now, but get strong. Genuinely strength yeah. underpins everything. It underpins speed. It underpins endurance. It underpins your recovery. Just don't be scared of having some load. Get yourself strong. Uh, on top of that, focus on your recovery. Um, Move away from the High Rocks events for a bit. <laughs> Don't do the same stuff all the time. Look what how they have what makes up that event and train the same movement pattern, not necessarily the move the movement itself. That's what's called general training. A lot of yep. mistakes I see where a lot of High Rocks people is they just focus purely on specific High Rocks events. So then they end up mm-hmm. getting up terrible habits and they end up with originally with good technique and they end up with really poor technique because they've just basically done it to death so yeah yeah take a take a bird's eye view of, of what you want to get better at and break it down and get strong in their movements um kind of similar question in a way but is there any general mistakes that you see people making actually in their strength training so not so much that they're just not doing strength but is there um a a thing that people that you do see people doing strength training for high but you're like, ah, you should be doing this instead or adding this or taking this away. Both sides of the coin, really, but I've seen too much ego lifting, so terrible technique, terrible range, too much weight. <laughs> and then I've seen really not enough weight. So people doing yep. really nice stuff, but just not heavy enough to get any kind of stimulus to get any kind of change. Uh, yeah. And then yeah. repetitive movements, uh, be pet peeve with not just high rocks athletes, people who do other sports is just hammering sims, hammering them till the cows come mm-hmm. home. I'm wondering why they're not improving, yeah. you know, uh, but mainly the thing with me is, 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 you know, neglecting other parts of strength and it's going to sound a bit brutal, but sticking to a linear periodization model, training in blocks, because every time you move for the next block, you, you lose some of what you gained in the previous block. Yeah. Um, you know, yeah. most people I've come across who do high rock stuff do multiple events. So by the time they get to that event, all those like great strength or power gains they made are now gone. 
by the time they actually yeah. get to the event. So they never really get to take advantage of the hard work they've done. All they've done really is created a load of fatigue. Yeah, it's definitely. I can definitely see that. I I have similar experiences with CrossFit where we do stuff like um, so you built my back squat up to like one sixty um kilos and then went through the crossfit open and like went through a few went through the season on that and then like by the time i was back squatting again i was like down to like 130 and it's like it's just like you feel devastated so yeah because it's one of the worst it is i've come across with a few former crossfit athletes and i find the same thing they've got no aerobic base and the recovery shot because everything they yeah, do is yeah. so high all the time. And then when they've had a nice strength phase, they don't revisit it for a long time. So when they do, they're absolutely dead yeah, yeah. because it's gone. <laughs> yes, yeah, it's, it's the thing. Like what what tends to happen is you get to the open and you're like, oh, I'm not strong enough. So you spend like the next three to six months getting strong. And then exactly like you said, like you're like, well, right, I'm strong enough now. And then you just totally forget it and just start doing Metcons every day again. <laughs> so, and then the open comes around and the, the whole thing starts again. Oh, I'm not strong again. So yeah. <laughs> Um, <laughs> so i imagine um when michael sandback came to you you'd probably never heard of hyrox before is that right no yeah uh, i just got no. an email and i was thinking mm-hmm. what the fucking hell is this <laughs> he took it down i was thinking this is yeah, insane yeah. who does this <laughs> so, so yeah that's that was my question really so how how did the process of breaking it down and working with michael go like uh, for you as as a coach, when it came to Michael going, all right, I'm doing this high rocks thing. What was your steps then to to breaking down high rocks and getting a program written up for him? So what's very important for me before I even delved here was I wanted to hear from from Michael's mouth what high rocks was to him, how he perceived it. So I let him explain to me what high rocks is, even though I'd already done my own research. And then I asked him what he felt he needed to get better to make him a better high rocks athlete. So that gave me something to work with then. So then I took my deep dive into high rocks and seeing what are the demands of high rocks on paper. So then I look at the demands of the sport, then I'll break it down further, look at the demands and the timings of each kind of event. So each station, each one, what are the average paces? How long does a sled take? What's the loads? How long does a sled pull take? What's the average time on the eggs? What's the average time on the lunges? So on and so on. And then basically we make Sandy do a sim, which I watch. And then we see, get some feedback from him. And then I give him some feedback and some video from me, from me where I think there's some easy low hanging fruit things we can fix up purely on technique for him to go and work on. And then yep. we sat on common ground and agreed on, you know, some short-term, medium and long-term goals. Like, what is your number one priority now? Back then it was the sled, so it was okay. So during this first phase, we're going to go away and the focus will be on this and then the focus will be on that. And that's how we just keep evolving. It's just a constant feedback loop. Then I just watch video now. I've been to a few of Sandy's races now too, so I like to go and see where he's at now because he's kind of at that level where video's not good enough. Because obviously with the event comes the environmental stress, comes the travel, comes some other things that can throw a curveball. So we're constantly looking for ways just to refine everything we can refine. You know, some things we can't control, but if we can control it and train it, then we will. So Sandy's obviously improved improved massively um, as an athlete. But 
was wondering if so to give some people motivation do you do you get many athletes come to you because obviously it's it's hard um looking at sandy now because he's such a strong guy anyway um like as you've built him up um for someone to look at him and and take much inspiration but do you have people coming to your gym fairly maybe weak is probably a bit harsh but you know not strong and then you've got them strong 90 percent of the members in our gym general population they're just general Mm -hmm. people who a mixed bag of us starting out in sports we've got a we've just a little sidetrack we've just signed up with hyrox to become an affiliate gym so Oh, nice. Done soon. Congrats on that. Everyone's welcome to come and visit. Feel free if you're in the area. Yeah, yeah. Uh, But obviously, again, we're going to put our own slant on that. So as long with the High Rock stuff, I will do a base program for those people to do. But I'm expecting those people to be fresh from the street, no experience, Mm. and we want to build Mm. them up to do the first High Rocks any way they want to do it, be it a relay, be it partners. You know, it doesn't matter. But as, as I was saying before, my little mini tangent, you know, 80, 90% of our members are general pop. They're just people like everyday people that want to get in shape. And that's kind of what we focus on. We're called the Athlete yeah. Factory, but our clientele is the everyday athletes. We, you know, we train everybody yeah. like an athlete. So the short answer is kind of, yeah. It's We've got yeah. few elite athletes who come here, but they just mingle along with everybody else. Our goal is to basically give everyone the same service as an elite athlete. But meet them where they're at. Yeah. You know, meet them where they're at. Because I, I know a lot of people. So I, I have a lot of friends who feel like who are like this, and they're just like, I'm just not strong. And it's like, well, what, what have you done to try and get strong? And it's, it's normally like, ah, oh, I did like bench for like a month, and nothing happened. But like, <laughs> I think the. <laughs> the thing, the thing that I'd like, like I, I hope that you would agree with, is that pretty much. If you're not doing strength training now and you're doing high rocks and you're like doing okay at it, um, you can probably get better by doing strength training, right? One hundred percent. It's low hanging fruit, yeah. and you're silly if you don't go there. Uh, what I would yeah. say is, if you're not comfortable, you know, get yourself a coach. Don't be following programs of you know people like Hunter, Sandy. They're too far advanced. Their program will kill you. You know. The Jordy Internet is full of stuff and magazine articles by elite athletes from every sport. All that's going to do is burn you out. And most of it's probably not true. It's probably something they've done in the past anyway. Uh, what, so yeah. what I would say is just start. You know, everyone who comes through our door gets a program. We've got a training app. We put everyone on the training app. Uh, they get an induction. We see where they're at. And stage one is just, you know, GPP, so general physical preparedness. We try and build a base. We get them used to pushing, pulling sleds. We get them technically lifting basic stuff. We get them foundationally strong in all the movement patterns. Then we layer on top more complexity when they get comfortable with it. And that's basically mm-hmm. what we're about. Uh, but yeah, I, I, I do believe, you know, anyone who's doing high rocks or who's in a high rocks should really consider, you know, just, just start. Like you did when you got into high rocks, just start. You know, if you're yeah. lost, there's so many resources out there. You know, we offer programs, little cheap plug. But, but uh, you know, there's programs out there. And I, I know a lot of, you know, really high-quality coaches involved in High Rocks offer, you know, programs. But don't mm-hmm. just, you know, 
copy and paste some elite athletes program and jump straight in because you'll end up in hospital or just broken and never <laughs> yeah well, it reminds me of like, <laughs> it reminds me of like when you pick up the men's fitness magazine and you see like um i'd, I'd just use chris hemsworth or someone like that as an example and they'll be like uh chris hemsworth workout uh workout and they'll put like his hardest longest workout he's <laughs> ever done but when I was like, when I was like college age, I would literally be like, right, I'm just going to do that every day for like the next <laughs> year. And you'd just be like, you'd be doing like a hundred sets of like tricep extensions and bicep curls and bench like every day and just can't, can't last like a week. And you're like, I can't do it. I can't walk for days. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, so yeah, so you've been, you've obviously been a, a coach for a long time. Um, as like you say, you do general population, but you also do um coach elite athletes and yeah. um in all different sports so one thing i was really interested to know so it doesn't have to be high rocks it probably won't be but yeah. what's the most impressive feat of strength um or athleticism that you've yes. seen personally two spring to mind immediately uh my background professional rugby that's where i spent the last 15 years or 18 years um i was in georgia in tbilisi former soviet union and basically, one of my players who plays in France now, a guy called Vito Klobaveshi, just casually deadlifted 400 kilos for three reps like it was nothing. And then asked me, was that okay? <laughs> wow. That sticks with me because yeah. he just he wasn't even warm. He just stepped in it, ripped it off the floor three times while staring at me into my soul and went, was that okay? He's just like, yeah, it's okay. <laughs> yeah, that's not bad. Yeah. I wouldn't want to get tackled by him. <laughs> no, he's an absolute unit. Yeah. But yeah, that's he's with me. Yeah. And an American guy called Carl Miles, who's the fastest guy in rugby, he was a former Olympic sprinter. They've the USA rugby team, sevens have been here a good few times. And he's just an absolute freak athlete. Um, you know, he's just he, I know it's a bit dangerous, but he, he basically jumped over a parked car. Bear in mind he's about five or four. <laughs> in one single step. wow yeah like, that's awesome it's ridiculous and it, it's like it's beautiful to watch him warm up is is like his technique and his how he moves he just glides it, it's impressive I feel like that would be a great party trick like if if you were going oh, out, out with your friends and the car yeah, yeah, yeah. And he was in a dead stop and the lads were G in the morning I thought what's he up to and he just cleared a car and just landed on the other side uh, like I'd love to be able to pull that out of the back pocket. (laughs) (laughs) Awesome. So so I was going to ask it. So one thing I was going to ask you this, although um, if you think actually this is a stupid question, there's, I can't really answer this. Tell Mm -hmm. me and we'll, we'll move on. But is, if I can ask you, so if if I go through each of the high rock stations and say, you know, if somebody's got this as their weakness, what should they work on? Um, as you said, like some of the time you'll be like, well, it depends what what um, their weakness is, and in that case, um, they'll they'll have to work that out. But if if I go through all them and you can say what you think might be worth working on, that makes sense. But I'll try. Yeah. All right. So let's say someone um, struggles with pulling a decent um, rate on the ski. So they they just their skis always letting them down. Do you have any thoughts on uh, how they could improve that? Yeah, upper body pulling strength, grip strength, and technique. Perfect. Yep. So that's exactly what I'm looking for. Um, <laughs> rowing? <laughs> Pretty much the same, but again, leg strength as well and leg endurance. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but yep. you need that strong so, back as well to row because if you cause like jelly, then the force isn't getting distributed nice. Awesome. 
Um, so I'm also testing my um, my ability to remember all the stations now because I, yes. I tried to open it on a tab then, but it wouldn't open. <laughs> so, so we got sled pushes. Again, as we discussed earlier, just get strong. Get strong, yep. stable for your whole body. And again, work on your lower body muscular endurance and explosive. Yep. And the sled one. And the sled pulls, would you, is there any is there anything different that you would train in terms of, or would you overload again? I'd overload them, but I'd, I'd work heavily on your grip strength and upper back strength with that one. One that yeah. carries over into that, which is really unsuspected, is deadlifts or rack pulls. Probably more so rack pulls from, okay. from a quarter squat position, so kind of just below your knee. Similar position to what yeah. you'd be in. Awesome. Um, and farmers carry next? Yeah. Uh, Farmers carries themselves, but with multiple implements, not kettlebells. Okay. Use handles, use dumbbells, yeah, do it for time sets, do it for above the weight you'd normally do it in, just things like that. Just get funky with the implements with the farmers, really, because, again, it's grip strength, but grip strength can get really old fast and can burn your nervous system out. Yeah, I find grip strength's a tough one, for me at least, to work on. Like, do you ju- Would you say people just practice holding stuff for a long time with different handles? Or I guess, it, what would you say is a good way to train? Anything involving your grip is really heavy on your central nervous system, which leads to really fast burnout. Okay. So if you're pulling as part of your program anyway, you just want to do some like isometric holds and stuff in your pulls, or your pull and work itself. Use thicker implements. You know, I wouldn't really add any additional volume per se i just add more intensity to what you're already doing and if you feel yourself yep. not recovering then you need to back off and go back in because it is a surefire way to quick burnout that's why i don't use that yeah. many pulling variations in, in programs for the likes of people like sandy and athletes who don't rely purely on grip because it can quite mm-hmm. easily lead into burnout really fast yeah yeah one thing i've seen um all the um arm wrestlers doing at the moment is pick plate flips yeah <laughs> you've seen those yeah. <laughs> just people doing them with like a 25 kilo plate and i'm like I'm, if i did that i'd break my fingers <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's just insane stuff like that but you don't need to do that yeah yeah <laughs> no don't worry i wasn't recommended it <laughs> it just came to mind yeah. um so we got so burpee you actually mentioned burpees as something that um you thought strength could help, which is interesting. So, yeah, if, if someone's struggling with burpees. Yeah, the thing with, thing with burpees is I've seen so many mixed kind of techniques and, you know, some are really ugly, but I understand why, mm-hmm. you know, the ugly is per se because you've got to conserve energy. Uh, but things, mm-hmm. you know, strength definitely for burpees, but also mobility will help you with your burpees. I think if you've got tight hips and tight glutes, then unfortunately you're at a massive disadvantage. <laughs> Uh, but also yeah, to help yeah. with your burpees, I think for your burpee broad jumps is just generally plyometrics as well. So doing multiple jumps, mm-hmm. broad jumps, things like that, so you can cover a bit more ground. Doing things like walker lunges where it overstrides, so really long ones. So you're kind of mimicking mm-hmm. the movement, but you're not doing the movement. And yeah. hopefully you should build more endurance in them areas. So when you go to put them all together... You know, you should just have a little bit more whip in you. Yeah, it's definitely something that I noticed um, is that the... So I'm good at burpees. I'm not good at burpee broad jumps. So that I think you've got to be right that there's some some uh, improvement to be had by just working on your broad jumps. Yeah, it doesn't <laughs> help that they're in a miserable part of the race. <laughs> That's exactly right, yeah. And they, they take so much energy out of you, right? Like, it's it's such an explosive movement. I guess if you're not used to doing it, then, yeah, it's not really that surprising that you're you're using a lot more energy than you probably think it's it's creating that efficiency doing that 
than jumps because them sub-maximal explosive movements really tax you. Yeah, for sure. Um, so two more. So we've got lunges. Uh, unilateral work, static. So what I'd say to get better at your lunges, do them on the spot. Reverse lunges, loaded with a barbell on your back, loaded with a sandbag on your back. Different different low variations. You don't always have to be moving. Mm-hmm. You just got to get yep. your body out to overload the volume and, and a bit more load in that movement pattern. Awesome. And wobbles, everyone's favourite. <laughs> Again, wobbles is just... You can get good at war balls without fatigue, but by the time you get to them in a high rocks, there's so many other factors. There's so much <laughs> involved. There's a hundred different answers. Yeah. Uh, thing yeah. with war balls, I'd say, is like we spoke about earlier, things like thrusters, dumbbell thrusters, barbell thrusters, sandbag thrusters, med ball thrusters, you know, doing your dynamic presses, push presses. You really need to know and be honest with yourself where your weaknesses lie on it. Is it a strength thing? Yeah. Is it a muscle yeah. endurance thing? Is it a pure recovery energy management thing? Because at that point in the race, you've just absolutely blew your, your you know, your tanks and there's nothing left in you. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Like wobbles, it's such a, like you say, it's a dynamic movement. It's, it's, there's so many parts of it as well, you know, like, as you say, like you don't, you don't know the, the person I'm making up. It could be their squat that's breaking down. It could be their breathing, their that's, shoulders. So, it could be. So, yeah, but, but you answered it well all the same. <laughs> so, so I've, I've I've really really uh, enjoyed the conversation. I've got, um, yeah, I've got loads out of it, and I'm sure people listening will. So thank you very much for coming on. I massively appreciate it. And before before I let you go, if, if you could just tell everyone um, just a bit about um, your gym and what it is you offer. You said you do offer programs and things. I think they'll hopefully there'll be people who want to reach out and um, yeah. get in touch. Everyone's welcome. Uh, our gym's called the Athlete Factory. We're in Chester in Cheshire. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're a sports performance gym. You can check us out at. AF Chester UK on Instagram, uh, which will probably lead you to Facebook and everywhere else. Um, yep. Again, everybody is welcome. You can come and drop in if you're in the area. You can check us out, like us, follow us. Myself, I'm at Conjugate Sports Performance or Conjugate SP on Instagram. My page is a little bit quiet at the moment, but I am working on it. There's a lot of things coming, so do follow. Me and Sandy are actually putting together a program, and we will be doing custom online programming for people. And it is actually me and Sandy. It's not a genetic template. <laughs> we so yeah, that's awesome. You can get in touch with us via my email for that, or via Instagram, or through Sandy. Um, and we're going to create like a little waiting list for that because obviously there's only so many people we can do in person. But on the back of that, we do offer training programs which are can be bespoke to you by myself, which would just be purely strength and power work for High Rocks. Again, you can contact us through. The email address, which is myfullname.com, which probably be on a link on this. Yeah, I'll put it in the description for you. Yeah. But any questions or any follow-ups on this, you know, feel free to hit out on Instagram, get in touch. I'm quite happy to answer anyone's questions for free. And you know, you don't expect you to pay me to answer the question. You know, I love this and I'm I'm happy to, you know, reach out and help build the community. But yeah, hopefully awesome. if you get in touch and we can program you and get you your best day of race ever make you super strong yeah. <laughs> thank you <laughs> thank you so thank you so much for your time and really 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 enjoyed this it was Thanks awesome for having me, mate. really appreciate it